Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that our minds are fixed upon you this morning. That our focus is pointed at you this morning. That, Lord, we can say that you are an awesome God because you have been working in our lives. Lord, for those who have come this morning seeking that relationship with you, working on trying to get out of a hole, whatever it is in life that has been put in that place, I pray that this morning we would seek you, that we would look to you. Remind us, Lord, as we look at your word, as we read your scripture, as we understand, Lord, a bit more about who you are. Remind us how that looks in our life. Remind us, Lord, that there may be places in our life that we need to consider this morning and change. And change is hard. And so, Lord, I ask even at this very moment that you would begin changing our hearts. That you would at least open us up and allow us to begin to understand your plan in our life. Lord, that is so hard for some of us to change where we have been and where we continue to be. And really, not a one of us, Lord, hasn't struggled in that area. And so I ask this morning, open our hearts, open our eyes, allow us to see like you see. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm thankful that was a long song, because I got to sit in there and I realized, hey, I have no speaker, no microphone. But God's awesome. Although I I have one. No, I got (laughs) That's why I ran out. I was like, oh. Maybe I should have something on my ear today. Maybe I'll get an earring so I can hook it to it or something. I won't forget. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> one of those great ideas that didn't turn out so good. You know, I had one of those in, as a senior in high school for like one day. And I realized that was kind of silly. So let's look at uh, Scripture 11, uh, John eleven forty five through 54. And as we read this, I want you to... to even now, begin to focus on how Jesus interacted as he interacted with the people uh, who would pretty quickly uh, crucify him. It says, Therefore many Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did and believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they ask? This is the man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. Do you not realize that it is better for you than that one man should die for the people than the whole nation perish? 
He did not say this on his own, but as a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God, to bring them together and to make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. May God at his blessing this morning as we continue. Hey, now you can go, bud. <laughs> we don't need that stuff. Let's hope not. Yes, You're not preaching a chili sermon today, are you? Chili? No, no chili. Um, I, want, I do want to make mention... I do this periodically, and I try to keep doing this. Uh, Tim reminded me. Uh, last time I didn't have all the other ones on there. I want to encourage you that if you don't hear the sermon, or you'd like to hear it again, uh, all the sermons, I don't know how many years we have on there even now, are on these platforms. If you have a, a smartphone, uh, it's, just, it's as easy as clicking uh, one of these three uh, and, and searching Greenfield Baptist Sermons. I want to encourage you, if you have a computer, you can do the same thing. I want to encourage you that those are on there. I, I am so thankful for uh, Tim Stedman, who does a lot of the, the legwork, and John, who uh, weekly is uh, taping it for us and uh, keeps the ball rolling. Uh, but I want to encourage you. So I, want, I, I heard, it was really cool, about a month ago I got, I got a, a text from a friend who said, I missed Sunday, but I had a chance to hear the sermon and you just can't believe how spot on it was in one spot, right? It really spoke to me. And that's, I, that's powerful to me because God continues to use uh, technology and uh, his word to bring people closer to him. So I wanted to encourage you uh, about that this morning. Uh, you know how, oh, there it is. Oof. Some days you just wonder, I'm moving, so I don't know where anything is at, at home either. So don't feel bad. I lost my microphone and... Lost the pointer. Huh. Yeah, my daughter-in-law gave me one set of silverware. I think I got a spoon and a fork, and that's all I'm allowed to have at home until I move. So, <laughs> and, a, and a plate. She's like, yeah, you better wash it when you're done. She's good. That's right, or lose my mind, right? <laughs> so this morning's passage is directly after... Lazarus has been raised from the dead. Directly after. It's almost like that was the final straw. They had enough. Oh, one second. I do have to say one more thing. The Seder meal. There's three people signed up. Now listen, people. I know you don't like to sign up to things. I need you to commit. That means I need you when you walk out this door to take a left, turn around, and write that you're going to be there so that we have a plate for you. It's going to be really silly when 20 people are sitting around one plate because we only prepared three for the rest of you. Sorry. That was, my little, that was my little ad on the side. I know how people are here. They don't like to sign up, but we, we do need to know how many tables to set and how much... Uh, how much to prepare. And so I'm asking you that if you are planning on coming to the Seder meal on Monday, Thursday, that's Holy Week, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, 
uh, I'm not only asking you, I'm encouraging you. So show, so, so show up, one, and sign up. There you go. Okay, let's get back to where we were. Sorry. <laughs> so we start this passage where Lazarus has just been raised from the dead. And I got to believe that it caused quite a stir. Seems like really at any time as God's working in our midst, in our midst, it tends to cause quite a stir, right? Today we do raise people. There are people who are clinically dead and will, their heart will stop. We'll, we'll bring them back to life. And that's pretty exciting stuff. But back then, they didn't have the technology. So someone being dead, no, no less than that, dead for four days, was quite an exciting event. That doesn't happen every day. It doesn't happen every day here. And I think the religious leaders and the political leaders had just about had enough. They'd had enough of this guy. It's, and, and it's interesting to me that Caiaphas had prophesied that Jesus would die. I hope you heard that in the passage, right? He prophesied at the beginning of the year that Jesus was going to die that year. So maybe that was in the background of his mind the whole time. Anytime we see a victory that God has produced, we see struggles that tend to come with it. Right? Do you see that? I hope you see that. I, I could not believe, I could not have guessed how Teens Alive would have turned out this year if I'd have written it, if I'd have known. If I, and if I would have read it, I wouldn't have believed it. We have struggled with snow for two months. We have struggled with a bus that was miscommunicated. We struggled with uh, a what? The temperature. Yeah, yeah. We have struggled with no kids the first month or the second, right? We have had every struggle that I just could not have guessed. So now when the phone rings on Wednesday morning, and it does tend to ring on don't call on Wednesday morning, okay? No. <laughs> I told somebody on, on, on Wednesday, the phone rings, I get nervous because I'm like, all right, I wonder who it is this time. Actually, it's, it's been good. Uh, the, bus, the people on the bus are telling us how many people we have. But I didn't know that. I'm like, oh, goodness. Every month we've had a, an issue, one issue after the other. And uh, every time we've tried to do something, something hasn't worked. And at some point, it gets frustrating, right? But God is in the midst of that. And I want to tell you that I tell you that because I think that sometimes we think that if God's in it, it's going to be perfect and we're never going to have any issues. We're never going to have any struggles. There'll never be any obstacles. There'll never be anything in the way. And I want you to know that uh, that's not true. And this morning's passage speaks to that. We're talking about Jesus and a few obstacles that are in his way. What happens sometimes is we get a little gun shy, don't we? I think sometimes we get a little gun-shy in our faith. We tell people we're a Christian and what happens? Someone yells at us. Someone says something about us. Someone calls us uh, a bigot. Someone calls us uh, very narrow-minded. We run into those. And quickly, as believers in Christ, what happens? If I don't tell you I'm a Christian and I just live a good Christian life, no one will even know, right? And then I won't have that fight. We become gun-shy at who we are. And I watch in this passage and I ask myself, 
Was Jesus gun-shy as he went, took on what would be his crucifixion? Or did he choose to have a faithful walk of courage? Because today's path is about courage. Today's path is about walking our faith in courage. The first thing we need to talk about is what side we're going to choose. I don't know if you notice in verse 45 and 46, it says, Some people believed, right? Those were the followers of Christ. So they would have heard of this message of Jesus, and they believed, and they became followers of Jesus. And what did the other people do? Did you catch that? They ratted them out. That's a teenage thing, right? It says, they went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So there were two sides to be chosen at the moment. The side who was going to follow Jesus and was excited that Lazarus was raised. And then there was the side that was telling the Pharisees what Jesus had done. And you and I would both know those kind of people who were the first to tell the teacher, who were the first. I was always the bad kid, so there was always somebody telling on me, right? And there were always somebody who had to go be telling the teacher what was going on. And that's what these people did. They were like, I, I'm just going to go tell the Pharisees what's going on. You know who those people are in your life. Those people who have not picked the right side. We rem I hope you remember it wasn't too long ago in January we talked a lot about Jacob. Joshua, goodness, I, I, you know what? I, I apologize. I wrote Jacob this morning. I don't know why. <laughs> it started with a J. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I don't know why. It was in my, got in the wrong spot. We talked about Joshua who had decided early on that he was going to follow after God. He was going to pick that side. He knew he was going to pick that side. And then this verse at the end, he reminds the people, it's for me and my house, we are going to serve God. And that was at the end. See, sometimes, doesn't that look like, that looks kind of like me this morning. My hair is like that. I'm going to get a haircut today. It'll be okay. We're going to get it fixed. I picked that because I thought it looked like I like this picture because uh, it reminds me that uh, walking the fence row isn't all that easy, is it? It's easy to go into the world tomorrow and be the world. It's easy to come to church today and be the church. But I want to encourage you to take the church into the world. I am just blown away that Mark's uh, Psalm and when uh, Phyllis talked about uh, taking it into the world just need to know that none of that was coordinated at all. I had no clue until it was spoken of that that's where it was planned, that God had planned that. I had no idea and I absolutely love it when God just comes to town and he's just like here it is, I'm going to put it right out in front of you it's right there, right? That's pretty exciting. See there's a right and there's a wrong 
And if you're going to walk the walk of faith, you have to walk it with courage. Jesus walked the walk of faith with courage. And he's calling us to walk that walk. He's calling us to stand up and be counted for our beliefs in Christ. Now, I want to say that. I got, there's, a, there's a caveat to that, right? There is right and there is wrong. But abusing someone verbally, emotionally, or anything else because they don't believe what you believe is not a right. That is not okay. That is not what our Jesus would do. I want to encourage you that you need, one, to know the Scriptures and understand what you believe, but two, you need to be loving people into the kingdom, not hurting them into the kingdom. I just, I I continually, week after week, meet with people who have been hurt by the church. Who someone inadvertently said something that was just so not right in the name of Christ. And I ask myself, even when I don't try to do that, I sometimes say those things. And so I'm asking you to tame your tongue. Maybe a little bit of a weird picture, but I like the picture because it reminds me that my tongue is a very strong and important piece of my body. And what comes out of it sometimes isn't the right thing. My sin nature sometimes gets the best of my mouth and I say something not realizing how hurtful it will be until that moment that it's already out and it's already been said and now I can never take it back. Great example. I guarantee you that all of us can remember one thing, one line, one word, one sentence from our childhood that someone said to us that wasn't kind. Every one of us can remember that that statement, that question, that something that someone said, and now we can't get rid of it. I implore you to think about what you say in the name of Christ. Pick your side. Hopefully that's the side of faith. But be careful what you say. Because it's not that easy to take back something that comes from your mouth. There are some things that I said to my kids when they were four, six, eight, whatever it was, and I still, I remember them. I hope, I hope to God they don't remember them. But I remember them because I knew they were the wrong thing to say. And yet I couldn't control my tongue. So I implore you to think before you speak. Sometimes the most courageous thing to do in your life is to not say what's on your mind. When I first started working third shift, I would, I worked third shift, and I don't know if you've ever worked third shift, third shift, first shift, second shift, it's a, 
it's a mess because you're working third shift, you're there and not many people are there. So then you leave, you go home and then you hear all the garbage that happened and it becomes this one shift did this, the next shift didn't do this. Uh, it really becomes this little fight, right? This little argument that first shift didn't do what third shift. And I used to get so frustrated because I'd walk into the shop on th- and the very first thing would be this long email telling me all the things I did wrong the day before. And at first, I would get that email, and I'd be so mad. I'd be so angry. I would, I would just get down there. I'd sit right there before I did anything, and I would just start typing. And I would type out this venomous, angry, frustrated, I'll get back at you, I'll teach you, you don't know what you're talking about, email. And you know what I'd do? I'd hit send. Bam! I'll teach them. When they get there in the morning, they're going to eat all that poison I just shot at them. But do you know what I realized? By about 5 o'clock, I was trying to figure out how to get back into that email and make it disappear, right? Because all that venom that I had started out the evening, I'd lost all that. So I learned something. I learned something. I want to challenge you and encourage you. This is what I learned. I learned that I would still write the email right off the bat because that's how I felt but I would never send it. I would never hit send. I'd leave it on my screen, put it in the background, and I always told myself, I always gave myself this out, if you still feel that way at 5.30 in the morning, you hit the send button. You let it rip. I can honestly say I have never, I never sent another venomous email after I did that. I learned a lesson. My parents will be proud of me. <laughs> you need to understand that I didn't learn very many lessons. They, they can tell you that I'm a little thick-headed and not real good at learning lessons, right? Second thing is that we need to understand the battle. We need to understand who's on the other side. There was the sides picked. And now we need to understand who's on the other side. This guy Caiaphas, he had a lot invested. And I think for some, some of us as believers in Christ, we're, we're just not fully in understanding who's on the other side. He was the boss of the boss, Right? He was the high priest, the chief priest for the year. He was responsible for all the priests and Pharisees that were underneath him. He also had prophesied that Jesus would die. Do you think any of that may have played into his decision? The decision that he would make? To plot to kill Jesus? This is a picture. Uh, this is one of my, I don't know if you've watched The Passion, but that's one of my favorite pictures. And uh, it reminds me of Caiaphas. I want you to remember that we are dealing with Satan and there is no truth in him. He is the liar and the father of lies. Understand who we are against. Caiaphas had a lot to lose in his mind. And what does he say? He begins to bargain right off the bat. Aren't we better off taking out one guy? He didn't say Jesus is a bad guy, did he? 
He said, this one guy is causing a ruckus. And aren't we better off? Aren't we better off as a nation to take out this one guy? Because it'll save our skin, the rest of us. Aren't we better off? Won't this be better, guys? This will be better. He's talking him into it. He's like, this is going to be better if we take out one person rather than take a chance of losing our nation, of losing our people, of someone else coming in and changing the plan. Matthew 10 reminds me that we are to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. See, this is what the world, by the way, one of my favorite movies. Love that movie. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's Amper's New Groove. But I think the cartoons of the world have made this idea that there's, uh, that the devil's on one side and there's an angel or God on the other side and we can just listen back and forth and... Um, and that's kind of what the world has created as this idea. But I want to remind you that, that God has given us a Holy Spirit with a capital S. I don't know if you go through your scriptures, and maybe you don't know this. When you see a, whole, a spirit with a capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, whether it says Holy Spirit or not. The Holy Spirit is God himself indwelling in us if we ask them, him to come and see and be a part of our life. You might remember in Acts where the Holy Spirit came upon God's people. Jesus said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to guide your life. And that Spirit will help you to understand what's going on around you and make better decisions. John 16, 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, he'll speak on God's authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the, the things that are about to come. It's kind of like doing life with your eyes open or eyes closed. Right? You could probably do life with your eyes closed, but it's a whole lot harder. Sometimes I think we, can, we think we can do life without... God's help. I'll come get my little bit of God on Sunday. Don't go over to 9.30 though, right? I got things to do today. Don't go over 9.30. I got things to get done. But I'll get my hour of God and then I'm going to go about doing my thing. And we so miss that God wants to be a part of our life each and every day. And that if we are a believer in Christ, if we have committed to that, walk the faith, that he will give us the Holy Spirit, which gives us courage to do the things that we don't fully understand or fully know in our life. There are times when God has, I told the story this week, there are times when God has been moving in my life and putting me in a direction and it didn't make any sense. And I've told the story a hundred times, but it's important. I tried to go to seminary twice, right? Both of them were super painful, I, 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 maybe God gave me that, that story because it needs to be told to lots of people. I don't know. 
I tried twice. And both times it just seemed like it was the right thing to do for me. Dan thought it was the right thing to do. And God said, I don't want you going in that direction. But you know what happens? Dan gets in the way. And I said, no way, God, I, I got this figured out. If I have a piece of paper with my name on it, this certificate suitable for framing that says I went to seminary, I'll have a job as a pastor for the rest of my career. My wife will be safe. My dog will be healthy. I'll have a place to live. Right? You guys laugh at me, but is, is it not true that we make plans based on what's best for us and we don't see God in those? Right? I'm here to tell you I've done the same thing. And if you know much about me, you know that I'm willing to stick my toe in the door, right? That door's got a crack. I'm going to put my toe in that door and I'm going to wedge that door open and then I'm going to force my way through. Because that's what I do. I'm actually kind of good at doing that. So guess what God has to do sometimes? He's got to stub my toe and then smash the door in my nose. Right? And then we're like, why, God, would you do that to me? Maybe because I didn't listen in the first place. I've told the story. I went to New York. I went to Buffalo for the satellite seminary. It was going to be in Buffalo. It's not any further than Geneva. It's actually a little closer, so that's silly. Um, I go up there. It's an open house. If you know anything about colleges and open houses, you know that they op have open houses to try to get as many people to come, and they definitely don't tell you that they are not interested in you, right? Because that would be silly. Why would they have an open house and not invite you in? I go up there, and I feel from the very moment I walk in that door, I feel like these people do not want me. They don't, not only do they not want me, they don't like me. There are five people and they wish that this one person would walk out. And I felt that. I sensed that the whole time. I left there absolutely crushed. Remember the stub toe? I drove all the way home from Buffalo with a stub toe and a smashed nose. And I got home and I wanted to quit. I told my wife, I'm done. I don't have enough. Of I don't have anything. I don't have what it takes to make that happen. But let me tell you the rest of the story. Three weeks later, the, the school calls me. I'm sitting in the office here. The school calls me and they say, hey, your application is all ready to go. All you have to do is sign it and click send. And three weeks had gone by. It gave me some time to contemplate. I've been thinking about life and trying to sort it out. I'm not as mad and upset as I was for three weeks that I was, and I said, listen, I need you to sit down. And I tell the lady, it's, a, it's actually the lady who was at the open house. I said, I need to tell you the story. She says, okay. So she, sits, she says, I'm sitting, I'm good. I go on to tell her, I said, listen, I went to your, I realize how silly this sounds, but when I came to your open house, all I could tell you is that I was not supposed to be there and that you did not want me there. I was not worthy of your school. She said, do you realize how silly that sounds? She said, that's just crazy. It's an open house. We're trying to get everybody we can get. We'll sort out who we don't need or who we doesn't fit the mold or all that other stuff. We'll do that later. But we absolutely don't go anywhere close to that line at an open house. 
So I proceeded to tell her. I said, all right, I'm just telling you where I'm at. I'm just telling you what has happened. And she had faith. And she said, you know, I, I, she said, there's only one thing I'm sad about in all this. She said, I probably will never know where God has led you and the direction that you'll go. And so, I don't have many hopes for heaven, but I'm hoping I see her in heaven, right? Because God's plan was way, way, way bigger than my plan. That piece of paper, I just wanted that piece of paper because somehow I thought that would make me feel better, make me more worthy. And yet, it had no bearing. So now I wish I could call her back, but I can't remember her name. So We'll have to talk in heaven, I guess. And finally, Jesus goes and prays in the wilderness. Well, the scripture actually says that he no longer moved around publicly. He withdrew to a region near the wilderness where he stayed with his disciples. And if you know much about the Gospels, there were times in Jesus' ministry when he re would go and withdraw into the wilderness. And those were times of prayer. Luke reminds us that, when, that he often withdrew to those places to pray. See, he was praying for discernment. Discernment's a nice big word. I like, I like Spurgeon has a, a great quote. I just like it. It says, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Let me help you understand this practically, Baptist people. Yeah. This is discernment, right? I think in our minds we think discernment is, I either get a piece of pie or I get to eat dirt, right? And we think that, no. Discernment is, one of these is better than the other. Which one's better than which one? They both are great. Well, I'm about to tell you, Kenny. So, Kenny, let's just do, which one would you pick, <coughs> dear Ken? Tell me which one you'd pick. You can lick the screen if you'd like. I... <laughs> Just the pictures. I don't have either one. So. You like chocolate better? Okay. You, so you like chocolate better than the cherry cheesecake. And Veronica's picking the cherry cheesecake. Okay. Good. I'll just give you guys a fork. You can eat it all. Right? This is how discernment works, right? Instead of we don't, when we're trying to discern on our own without God, we're just like, we just pick what we think is our favorite or we think will work out best. Well, let me tell you, Veronica, <laughs> your cherry pie was full of pits. They didn't pit the cherries out. So you got a crunchy pie. And Ken, Steve Barnett made your pie. And I don't know if you know the inside joke, but C. Barnett is capable of making really nice-looking cookies that taste terrible. Because <laughs> this is what Steve does. No, Steve took 
for a youth group once, he took all the sugar and he put salt in the mix. And those chocolate chip cookies looked awesome. And the kids were licking their chops to eat them. But they got mixed. There were some good ones in there. <laughs> but you never know which one was right. You didn't know which one you were going to get. Steve mixed them all up. That's, and they were terrible. Terrible. So if you, ever, if you see Steve, just ask him, don't ask him to make your cookies. See, I think we go through life thinking, if I discern there'll be an awesome winner and there'll be a loser and I won't be a part of that. And maybe we go through life and we don't really think about God directing our path. We talk about it, but we don't really... We're talking about Jesus going into the wilderness to pray. Just fathom that for one second. Jesus, the guy who has, is God himself in the flesh, went to the wilderness to pray for discernment with God. If you don't see that as a valuable part of your life, or even this morning, if that's not a part of your life, I challenge you to think about your alone time with God. See, we throw it off as I'll do it a minute in the morning and that'll, that'll be a dose, enough of an injection, right? I'm going to inject one minute of God time and I'll be good for the day. And then by 9 o'clock, the world's collapsing around us. But we've already ran out of God time because we got our Christian radio on the way to work and we got our minute of prayer and then, oh... But God's not really our focus. I want to challenge you to find that time and spend that time with God and God alone. I always I I love to read scripture and I stay away from a lot of other books. Just personal just my personal thing. I don't have and the reason I stay away from a lot of other books is that it sometimes becomes all about an author and not about God, right? I love when someone writes an awesome book, it blows my mind, and it really changes my view of God. I hate just as much the fact that some publishing company tells them they have to write 10 more books about the same thing because it was sold, it, one book was sold. I look at scripture and only 66 people who wrote books uh, made it, right? <laughs> well, it wasn't even, that, wasn't even 66. For, I mean, Paul did a whole bunch of the New Testament. I think about that. That's a real small amount of number for probably all the people who thought they had a book worthy of publishing. I challenge you to get into scripture and to seek God and find out what's going on in your life. See, because otherwise you're just rolling the dice. You're just rolling the dice hoping that something will work out in your favor. And by God's good grace, we, He does give us favor a lot of times when we probably don't deserve it. 
There were moments in my uh, childhood and teenage years, especially when I did things that were so stupid, I say, but by the grace of God, right? But by the grace of God. I can remember surfing on top of a car one time that was moving. I don't know. I can't remember. My parents are here, Ken. Don't get me in trouble. (laughs) They might, I might get, you know. I can remember having a hoopty. We used to drive a hoopty in the farm, and you would have to push it to start. It had a clutch, and you didn't have a starter was broken, or the starter worked, but the battery was gone, and so you had to push it to start it, so it would be great. We'd push it down this little hill. It was really small, and someone would pop the clutch, but the guy on the passenger side, if the clutch didn't, if it didn't start, you know what happens, right? If it didn't start, the car stops. And the guy, in the, we had the door open, so we'd open the door and you'd push for all you were worth, and then they would pop the clutch, and if it didn't go, you ran right into the door. <laughs> I can remember a hundred times hitting that door. I don't know how we didn't break it. It wouldn't idle either, so it was, oh, it was a pathetic car. But I wonder how often in life... We just roll the dice. When we don't really need to roll the dice, they've already, they're already assured eternity. I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't have eternity in your sights this morning, if you don't even know what I'm talking about, I challenge you to come to the altar this morning and find this Jesus. Take on a chance, take a chance on Jesus and see how he works in your life. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning and I'm so thankful that we can come to you and that we can, that can hear your word, uh, be excited about what's going on in it, be reminded, Lord, to have courage in the hard times, to be reminded that Jesus walked the walk of faith, especially in the last weeks, knowing full well he, where he was going, where he was headed, and where that it was headed to the cross. And yet he went in courage to that cross for each one of us. Lord, I pray for anyone here this morning who doesn't have a, a relationship with you or doesn't even know what that means. I pray that you would draw them close this morning. Draw them to the altar that we might have a chance to talk and pray. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling this morning. We're struggling to walk their walk of faith in, with strength. I pray that you would help them to pick a side. In your name we pray. Amen.